that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Hi, welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, and tonight's episode is a pretty special one. I believe this is our 16th episode, and tonight we have a very special guest, John Mullaney, who is a phenomenal artist. And uh, I'm Peter. And, and I'm Jamie. And tonight and we're going to be talking about uh, some of John's artwork as well as the artwork for the Alien series in general. Um, so, Jamie, did you have any questions you wanted to start off with? Well, yeah. Uh, how did you, again, thank you for coming on, first of all, but also how did you get involved in this project? I'm fascinated. I, uh, I, I love things that kind of um, explore the lore of uh, the alien mythos more, and this book certainly does, so I'd love to know how you kind of got aboard. Okay, well, uh, first of all, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's a real honor to... Um you know, be on your on your show. Um, to answer your question, um, this is well. So the, the book you're talking about is Alien, Alien: The Whaling Utani Report, um, and um, that my, having my work in that is um, kind of a step in a long journey. I've been um, involved with um, for about ten years or so. Um, oh wow! It's basically been so. Um, what, what I've been trying to um, make artworks about the Alien franchise uh, happen for some time. Um, so I was involved, if you rewind the clock, by 15 years. Um, I, wow. did, I, was, I was involved with the, um, the uh, DK's Star Wars Incredible Cross-Sections books. Um, so I was lucky enough to be asked to be an additional illustrator uh, in addition to the, the two main artists, um, Richard Chasemore and Hans Jensen. And um, so it was whilst working on that that I was getting really into the idea of, you know, dissecting um, fictional technology. And Star Wars is a franchise that, you know, obviously I'm of that generation is something I grew up with. Absolutely. But then I, I, guess, I guess that was my sort of childhood um, you know, love. And then once I reached, you know, my sort of mid-teens, I guess Alien sort of took over the baton and became the thing I became sort of um, mildly obsessed with at that age. Um, And so whilst working on the Star Wars books, it became kind of a a no-brainer to me that it would be just as cool, if not cooler, to, to do artworks do cutaway artworks of the Alien um, saga. Um, I guess with with Star Wars, you know, it's it's a sort of more, it's, it's a more fantastical science fiction franchise. You know, it's a it's a you know a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and it, there's princesses, and you know, it's it's uh, a little bit more fantastical. Whereas yeah. Alien is very real world. You know, the, 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 the first movie made it very clear that okay, we're we're, we're resetting. You know how science fiction movies are made, and this is truckers in space. It's it's you know recognizable characters that don't walk around you know the bridge of the Starship Enterprise in super squeaky clean uniforms. They're people, they're real people wearing real clothes, having real conversations that you know overlap. It's not perfect, perfectly um, you know um, recorded dialogue. It's it's you know it's natural, and and equally the um, you know the, the, all the hardware reflected that it was it wasn't lasers it was you know it, it was recognizable um you know it didn't seem that far removed from where we were at even in 1979 so uh yeah given all that it just seemed to me that wow if we're going to really go into the idea of exploring a, a fictional bit of hardware then the alien franchise is just right for the picking to do that so Absolutely. um so yeah back in 2005 i i i tried to i'd had sort of um initial conversations with um with Dorlin kinsley at the time saying have you guys thought of doing this and um 
you know, I kind of, kind of well, yeah, maybe. Um, but it, it wasn't something that I don't think was was um, ever picked up on. Um, so to try and uh, encourage a, an interest, I um, started work on a cutaway of the dropship. And um, I took it, I remember taking the, the pencil artwork of that to Dragon Con in 2005 and got a lot of interest from, from um, you know, the various people interested in the franchise there. Um, and then the following year, I'd had it, I'd completed it and um, it, it got a lot of interest there as well. And then um, about three, uh, what was it, four years later, it was, um, that artwork was published as a, um, or reproduced as a, a limited edition print. And um, so, yeah, fast forward a few more years and um, Insight Editions were putting together this um, really cool book about the franchise. And uh, yeah, I've missed out a few other bits actually in the journey. But um, yeah, that's that's the kind of nutshell version. It's not the most concise nutshell, but yeah, it's uh, basically the book is... It's the culmination of something I've been working towards for a long time, and it's an ongoing process because, um, yeah, there's 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 two cutaway artworks in that title, but there's still so much more to do. So, yeah, it's an ongoing um, ambition. Wow. Um, now, when you get into that sort of level of technical drawing, I mean, I've I've seen your artwork for years and not known about it in the. Star Wars cross-section books and I have both of them on my bookshelf next to me and just I remember poring over those for so many hours just looking at all the different cutaways and how the illustrators in the book would make real worlds out of you know just cellulose basically like just movies um, so when you do that sort of thing is that more of like an artistic perspective or a technical perspective because I think that sort of drawing style brings together both yeah you're absolutely right it, it's got to be both um when i first started to, to do these style of artworks you know it, it was something that i had to really practice and i studied richard and hans's work really acutely um and you know observe the, the the way they they go with the, the philosophy of form following function so whatever a vehicle or a ship is doing on the outside you've got to kind of account for that structure or that that's um look on the inside so that's when you need to have a real technical understanding of what's going on and to you know to a degree there's, there's a an element of well, what's going to look the coolest but you've also got to apply some um you know um, plausibility um, you can't just completely make it up so that's where you draw in real world technology and, and try and um, balance that with you know more fictional tech looking technology but it's got to have that essence of truth about it which is why doing the alien stuff is, is um, so appealing um, yeah <clears throat> because it, it's just so believable even if it's um, a science fiction film, there's so much of it that could be real. And I think that's what brings a lot of film nerds like Jamie and I to um, film series or science fiction series, rather, um, like Alien does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's been often um, observed and said that, well, uh, Jim Cameron said it, you know, when, when they were designing something like the dropship, you know, the whole film is a, a, a Vietnam um, analogy. So they, he very specifically said, oh, I want it to look a bit like a, a phantom jet. Um, so, you know, there are elements, there are recognizable real-world elements in there, and it's got stuff like the chin-mounted machine gun, which you get on, you know, attack helicopters and things. So, yeah, it, it's when, when the filmmakers are putting those deliberate reference points in, it's easy to... Um, you know, extrapolate those elements from real-world technology and then apply them to to the cutaways. What um, 
what is your like in terms of your film, the alien films that inspire you the most when you do your work and when you approach the Wayland Yutani uh, report? What film really does it for you that you kind of feel yourself going back to over and over? I feel like I know what, what the answer is, but I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, it's probably no surprise uh, when I say it's aliens because it's so tech heavy. You know, it's um, I think aliens set up the the aesthetic of that used future, um, and then aliens really ran with that concept. And you know, there's just this whole raft of really interesting technology going on it. That's um, so you know. The, obviously, the Solarco, the dropship, the APC, the power loader, um, obviously the weapons. Um, so it, it's yeah, it's just a, a rich scene to be mined, you know, from uh, from the perspective of um, somebody like me doing cutaways of the hardware. Um, is there what is it then? Like uh, me and Peter have had of course endless discussions about the alien series and we will have many more um but what is there a certain hook for you about aliens that maybe a site like what is it like for me uh what captures me about the alien series is ripley essentially and uh the idea that there's just kind of whistleblower in the middle and no one's believing her and um it's she's kind of a uh analogous to kind of a lot of real life things, a lot of whistleblowers in real life and how kind of big corporations don't like people kind of messing things up for them. And they will go to great lengths to um, make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's kind of the hook for me in terms of the Alien series. I'm interested in what that is for you. Yeah, I know. I think that's a, that's a really interesting observation. I Absolutely. I love Ripley. You know, she doesn't stand for bullshit. Um, and I, I, I think that's a very recognisable um, and likable um, characteristic in, in your protagonist. Um, you know, she's badass, isn't she? So what's not to like? Um, I don't know, if, in, in terms of what I like about the movie, apart from that and the technology, um, I, th- I think... It's it's a film that I can just watch again and again. It, it yeah. doesn't get it doesn't get old for me, and I just feel the same sense of you know excitement and peril and all, all those um, emotions you go through watching it uh, every time I watch it. Um, I, I guess I'm a, a massive fan of Jim Cameron. You know, I loved um, the Terminator franchise, or the first two films he did. Um, and you know his stamp, his attention to detail, I think, is one of the things that appeals to me as as well. You know, there's no um, there's no fudging or, or or sort of you know not accounting for bizarre character decisions that you might get in uh, <laughs> other alien films. Let's say, um, you know, it's, it's it's there's a there's a really clearly thought out, intelligent plausibility to everything within the film. Um, I, I'm also a big fan of the um, of the soundtrack, and you know, film scores are something that interests me a lot. And um, I love James Horner's score to this film. Um, so yeah, I mean, oh, I don't know, I could go on really, but uh, I guess those are the things that immediately spring to mind. Awesome. Did you have? I would imagine you probably had aliens playing in the background during kind of the the process of putting this book together. Yeah, it, it does. It really helps, actually. I mean, obviously, you can't listen to it twenty four seven. You know, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so uh, you know that, that, that's something that uh, uh, I have as uh, as audio while I'm working on the piece. But yeah, if I really want to, I don't know, if it's a sluggish morning and I really want to get myself in the mood and um, you know um, make sure that I'm, I'm imbuing the, the painting with the spirit of the films, then yeah putting the soundtrack on or even just having the film playing, you know, just as audio in, in the background on, on the DVD player on my, on my, um, on my computer, then, yeah, no, that, that works as well. But, um, yeah, I've got a, you know, big playlist of all the, uh, music from, from all the films. Well, from the first three, um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely helps. I, I have another question, but uh, Peter, do you have anything? Um, 
I, I think it's safe to say that Jamie and I would both consider ourselves artists, but in different ways than you would. So I'm just curious as to the different kinds of media that you use for your your artwork. Okay. Well, um, I guess the, the process always starts with pencil, as you'd expect. Um, well, actually, I, I, actually, before that, the, the way I work now is to use the computer to bookend the process. So um, I'll start with a computer model of whatever I'm drawing. If it's most of the time, um, so with, with the, uh, the Weyland-Yutani report, I think all but one of the, um, uh, the, you know, the pieces of hardware that I was illustrating existed in some form as a digital model. Uh, with the exception of the EEV from Alien 3, which I had to model myself. Um, but we were really lucky to um, benefit from um, Gearbox letting us use the uh, models that they built for Colonial Marines. So um, stuff like the Solarco, Power Loader, the APC, um, and the weapons as well, all existed as digital models. They, they kind of needed for, you know, obviously they're built to a certain level of detail for video gaming and then for my purposes I need them to be even more detailed than that so you know what once I use those models to set up the angle then it would be a case of referencing um, you know props um, photos of the props and any bits of reference so yeah once I've got the, the model in the view that I want it then I can print it off trace it and then start really detailing it um, and then it goes to an approval stage um, you know we check that um, Fox and Insight are happy with it once that gets signed off um, then it goes to Ink I should also say that not just Fox and Insight but um, I couldn't do what I do without a brain trust of people around me so I've got um, very lucky to have been introduced to various people um, most notably a guy called Graham uh, language who um, is you, his work you're probably uh, aware of who does incredible blueprint work and uh, Graham and I uh, worked together on the Nostromo and the APC well, particularly on the APC um, to figure out the detail of what goes where and so he's doing a 2D um, artwork of the blueprints and I'm doing a 3D cutaway and his work's informing mine and mine's informing his um, and there's a, a whole host of other people who, um, who would then be uh, checking the work. Um, I, I won't go through the names; there are too many to mention. But um, yeah, a lot of people on the brain trust would basically say, "Yeah, that looks great," or "John, you missed this bit," or "Hey, can we do? Can we tweak that?" Um, so once that's been approved, then it goes to ink, and then I can rub out the pencil underneath it. And then the primary um, medium I use is uh, watercolour to then colour it. Um, I, I'll do a few little gouache highlights if I need to do a highlight on a dark um, section. And then it's back to the computer and, and I, I work quite extensively on, on the artwork in Photoshop, like tidying it up and enhancing it and adding you know, text or logos, stuff like that. Um, and just generally getting it, giving it that final polish. So that's that's kind of the process, basically. That's pretty cool. Um, I didn't take into account like just just how lengthy it was. I mean, even watching your uh, APC video, um, just considering that. But I did have one other question before I'll give the mic back to Jamie. But um, as far as resource material goes, you did mention that Gearbox software. Um, gave you access to their models, but were you given uh, anything by Fox themselves? Or because I know that um, <clears throat> the Creative Assembly who did Alien Isolation was given like the keys to Fox's <clears throat> library of Alien material, which totaled over ten terabytes. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they've they've got a big old archive. Um, no, Fox couldn't be more helpful. I mean, they they facilitated the. Um, the process of, um, you know, approaching Gearbox. Um, so I didn't ever speak to Gearbox directly. 
Um, but they, they, they provided the material to Fox and Fox passed it to Insight and Insight passed it to me. So, um, yeah, uh, Fox are fantastic at that. They, they, they really know how to share the resources and, and their archives, uh, which, as you say, are significant. Um, do you have a favorite piece of work in the book or that you really enjoy doing the most? Like you're like, Oh, I don't want this, this one to end. I mean, I'm sure all of it is so, it, there's so much in there. I'm probably, maybe it's a little bit too specific, but do you have a favorite group of work? I don't want to have to pin, I don't want to pigeonhole you. Like there's this one thing that you did that is your favorite, but, um, well, I maybe guess- a certain section. Yeah, I mean, I guess the APC because that was um, that was the only new cutaway in this book, um, and yeah, I, I, doing the, the, the non-cutaway work is is just as exciting. But um, you know, it's it, doing the the anytime you, you're doing a cutaway, it's it's like a big jigsaw basically, you, you, and you've got to be a detective and you know figure out what's going where. Um, finally you've got to dig out all the, the reference and, you know, you're figuring out well, what's this, you know, out of focus object in the background. Have I got any reference to that where it's in focus? Have I got a, um, have I got a, 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 a you know, onset piece of photography that shows it more clearly? Um, uh, and then all the while I'm, you know, in constant email communication with Graham and he's do, do, coming at it with the same, you know, detective-like mind, and we're, we're, together we're putting together this. Yeah, it's, it's like a big, big puzzle. Um, so that, that, that's a really enjoyable process, and then gradually, you, the um, you know the the, the 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 artwork starts to evolve, and you can start to see how it's all coming together. And you you're still shifting it about. I work a lot. I should have said when I'm working in pencil, the first thing I do before I work really large scale is work just at uh, somewhere between A4 and A3, but I'm just working on tracing paper, which is really forgiving for endless rubbing out because there is endless rubbing out when you're doing this process. So, um, yeah, that, that's uh, once, you, once you've got all the elements in place, then putting the color on is, is a really interesting stage because that's where I'm really closely referencing the, the film and the lighting. I mean, that's one of the other... Um, beautiful things about that film, the, the way it's lit, you know, it's, it's sort of got that classic Jim Cameron look, lots of those contrasting reds and blues. Um, so, you know, very much when, when I'm doing the cutaway, it's no good just painting it without that same lighting. You've got to try and pick up on the, the mood and the feel of that ship. In this case, the APC as it's showed in the film. So it's, you know, anything that's a light source, that's a, that's a, you know, a big bonus because then you can have shadows and you've got you've got contrast and and suddenly you've got feel you know and then suddenly you're 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 kind of in the movie in a way so that's that's yeah watching it come to life as you're painting it that's a really exciting stage um and it's something that i was really keen to capture with with the apc film that you mentioned um which um was something i'd never attempted before and it was a really gratifying process to be able to finally you know show people how i how i do these artworks awesome um my next question would be uh this is maybe an obvious one how did the book get to be so big like physically yeah i mean like it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a large book obviously there were some decisions that you made um i'm just curious how to how how everything kind of i mean obviously it's rather expensive it's not a cheap book but it shouldn't be it's worth it um but i'm just curious how you guys came to the the decision like yeah this is going to be a major book well i mean it's uh, it's, uh, that's really a question to to ask insight um that's not a conversation i was involved with i mean i I, um you know made it clear that my uh, from the off that my artworks would be um to the standard of work that they'd already seen and that they'd be very detailed and therefore, you know, the book, um, you know, the, the, the artworks would fill a, a large space and hold up under 
close scrutiny. So, but yeah, in terms of you know the, the physicality of the book itself, that's that was something that that um, Insight um, put together. So um, yeah, you'll have to get those guys on to tell you more about that. I mean, I, as a as a fan, I you know the more information that I can get, the better. So I, I think it's great. I was just curious if perhaps you knew. Sure. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess as well. I think obviously the I think the price tag reflects the the fact that work like this hasn't really been done for the franchise before. I think a lot of previous Alien books have been, you know, using um, all the, all the previous material um, from from Fox's archives. So you know, on-set photography, um, screen, um, you know, stills from the, from the movies. Um, production blueprints sometimes um, but in terms of generating brand new artwork you know it's, it, it, it takes time and, and therefore money to to um, put something fresh together so I think that the price tag um, kind of reflects the time really and oh, yeah. you know obviously you know I've, I've got 10 artworks in it but um, Marcus Panzergrau who um, produced all the digital renders of the of the alien itself, you know, really beautiful digital organic looking renders. Um, you know, there's such a wealth of his work in there. So, um, yeah, that that takes time. You can't just uh, dash that off in yeah. an evening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that's 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 the reason the the book is the the size it is because I think you know Insight wants to make sure that it. You could you could literally feel the weight of all that uh, input and effort and time. I think a lot of us are kind of just waiting for a standard edition, and I know I've inquired to you about that previously, as if um, something like that is to ever materialize. But <clears throat> I don't know why uh, Insight would release a uh, special edition, so-called, without releasing a uh, standard edition. Because I know there is a standard edition and uh, blah, 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 available in, I believe, France and Spain. Right. Um, some, something along those lines. But I think a lot of a lot of fans are waiting out for the one that's like, you know, $50, $30, yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. by all means, I'm sure Jamie and I could pitch together some funds and acquire it and then, you know, send it back and forth, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a little uh, loan loan system. Yeah, like we have joint custody of it, like it's our kid or something. <laughs> but indeed, um, indeed. I, I think was, I think a lot of us are just going to wait for uh, the standard edition. <laughs> I, I I've got a, um, a beautiful um, model of the dropship. Uh, it's just next to me, actually. It just sits on my uh, my stereo. Um, but uh, that was a, a gift to me. I think it was for my thirtieth. A group of friends all pitched together to get it for me because they knew, um, you know, how uh, involved I was with that particular vehicle. Um, and uh, but yeah, before that happened, you know, me, me and uh, my friend uh, Simon were, were both quite keen to get it. We were saying, oh, "Shall we do the? Shall we buy it together?" And we just thought, "No, it's not going to work because whoever hasn't got it is just going to start getting a bit itchy and twitchy about it." <laughs> So at some point, it's got to reside with somebody. So uh, yeah, I was very lucky to have been bought that. But yeah, give the give the loan share go, uh, system a go, guys. It might work. <laughs> um, how, do you know? I mean, obviously, you have specific amount of work in the book, but in terms of the from conception to final product, how long that took? Um, okay, so well, the the dropship had already been done because, uh, like I said, that was done but completed back in two thousand six. Um, though I did do a few little bits of um, digital alterations to it, um, well, enhancements. Um, but in terms of the process of doing the, the, the nine artworks, so eight non-cutaways and, and the APC cutaway, it was actually a really tight timescale. Um, it was less than four months. Oh, wow. Which, which, you know, I had to work evenings, weekends um, to meet that deadline. And I'm... I'm pretty um, pretty good at time management, so I kind of knew I was going to meet the deadline. Um, but to do that, it meant working flat out. So yeah, I had a had a good uh, week or two off when I finished. Um, 
but yeah, intensive is how I would describe the process, <laughs> but very enjoyably intensive. You know, if I was working flat out on something that, um, you know, didn't fire me up, then uh, that'd be a different question. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was four very enjoyable months. Um, if, if a little <laughs> brutal on the social hours, but, um, and, and then after, that um i think i took on one other small job but i basically left um about two months free to then create the the the, um the apc film so you know editing all the footage putting together all the all the still photography to create time-lapse sequences and and then putting the music together for it um was um was a probably the most time-consuming part actually i'd never attempted to write to film before I'd you know been writing music with my my band last picture show for a, a long time but and and been producing um soundtrack material um but but never doing so to match a a, a working cut of a film and that process that was a real education so yeah it, all told it was it was probably more like I don't know, three, three and a half, maybe four months in the end, because then there was a whole load of, you know, approval stages to go through and, and recuts and, um, you know, chopping things around and, you know, just the, the process that any, any filmmaker goes through really. So mm -hmm. yeah, it all told, you know, it's, it was four months of, of, of illustration and then about, yeah, probably all told another four months of, of, um, of film editing and, and music wow. composing and recording. And so, I mean, the book is so huge. So you're one artist of many. Uh, I just that, that's such a huge undertaking. It's it's awesome and that it all came together and everyone kind of coalesced to make this really unique piece of art, essentially. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was an ambitious title, and it's it's something that you know that in universe conceit is something that hadn't been done before, and I kind of alluded to before earlier to missing out a whole load of the story, but in between the the dropship being produced as a print and me getting involved with the insight book. Um, I think around the time of just before the release of Prometheus, um, was when the, the brain trust that I alluded to earlier, um, was, was kind of put together. So, um, my good friend, uh, amazing friend, Willie Goldman, um, who you might've heard of. Um, he, he's kind of like, you know, Mr. Mr. Alien Hub. He's, 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 he kind of, he's, he runs aliensclection.com and, uh, he, he knows everyone and everything there is to know about the franchise. And so he hooked me up with these various people, including Graham and, uh, people like Harry Harris, who you might have heard of and, um, Scott Middlebrook writer and Ben Turner as a writer, Mike Rush, um, I'm going to be missing people out now and they're going to be very annoyed with me when they listen to this. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Bryant, my friend Simon Balkan, who I mentioned earlier. Um, so we, we, and, and a fantastic digital artist called Drew Pace. And we basically spent about three years um, developing our own kind of version of the Wayland Utani report. And um, obviously, we, what we didn't have was, you know, a, a license or, 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 you know, any ability to publish a book. But w but w what we did have was was the creative know-how how to put together the content for that book. And um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a project that um, we um, conceived of as an in-universe title. So very similar to to what Insight um, went on to do. Um, so yeah, but. It, we, we, it was still uh, very much a functioning team, and uh, it's a privilege to know uh, and work with those guys. Awesome. <clears throat> now, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you mentioned that it was kind of a lengthy creative process. Um, was there anything that you did for the Wayland Utani report, or even the proto Wayland Utani report, that didn't end up in the final title? No, it, it, because, um, you know. It, each artwork is takes a significant amount of time. There's no sort of question of uh, it's not like a deleted scene where oh, we've done that, but hey, there's, we've run out of room for it. You know, everything's very because time is, is money. Um, you know, budgets dictate that you, you know insight very carefully 
mapped out the content and they knew exactly what content you know we were gonna um was going into the book when it was commissioned so um so no i mean we talked about obviously when we were negotiating what content i would be doing we 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 talked about various combinations of artworks and could we do more cutaways and um you know could we do other ships and vehicles and locations even but um it it was but yeah time was the, the, the biggest um apart from budget but time was the, the biggest constraint really because anything that's involving a cutaway you suddenly have to add a huge amount of research time to the process so it's um yeah we we, we kind of knew we had a, a short window of creative um production time and um yeah so in answer to your question peter no there wasn't anything else but uh, <clears throat> that's not to say there isn't anything else to to come in the future um you know there's there's so much more to to do with with this franchise in terms of showing it as as cutaways and blueprints now i must ask did yeah. they did um i'm sorry uh did no, they ahead, uh ahead, did they give you a copy of the book by chance they they did yeah no i i got two copies so um that, that was written into my contract um wow so yeah i i seem to get my copy really early actually it um um, yeah, arrived out of the blue one day and yeah, great, um, excitement opening it and this beautifully lavishly packaged, um, box was, uh, it was like Christmas morning, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> I bet. Pretty, pretty special. Now, um, of course I haven't, I don't have the book. Um, I've seen, you know, a lot of it, but, um, so forgive me if this question is obvious, but. What does the book cover in terms of films? Does it cover every single film, like Alien from Alien to uh, Alien Resurrection and Prometheus, or is it just the first three films? It does Prometheus through to Alien Resurrection. Okay. Yeah. So it begins with Prometheus, essentially the prequel. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And then there's a little sort of coda, I guess you might call it, at the end, which sort of, because the whole conceit of the book is uh, this is... Um, Wayland Yutani's dossier on what they know about the alien and the the reason they're publishing it is because it, it's all playing into the you know the, the Machiavellian intent of um, creating a bioweapon out of it. So you've got this. Uh, there's a few pages at the back which um, sort of explore the, the 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 means by which they might physically create a bioweapon gotcha. um, okay. from from what they know about the species awesome well even more more impetus to purchase it It, well yeah or or even you know share it between you yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Peter would be getting it back (laughs) you don't think I would be getting it back hey now (laughs) this is what I was talking about you see nobody wants to be the one who's not got it um yeah yeah so if if you guys just wanted to segue into uh, alien artists um, over the years, I mean, there's a wealth that we could talk about, even just starting with, uh, obviously, like H.R. Giger, Ron Cobb, Sid Mead, um, and even some other less-known people like um, Dan Bovace, um, <clears throat> Chris Foss, uh, and the guy you interviewed, Carlos Fuente. Yeah. Um, and even... Uh, uh, I think Dave Dorman, he did a lot of artwork. Um, is there anybody that stands out for you, John, when it comes to alien artwork? Well, you, you, you mentioned uh, the first three people you mentioned, really, I guess, are the most significant. Um, Giga's work was, you know, so straight after I saw Alien when I was, I don't know, 16, 15, 16, the first thing I did was go down to the bookstore and just, you know, pour over this um his his uh, Geiger's Alien that book um and just pour over these artworks the like of which I'd never seen before you know it's just uh, the first time you see that kind of thing especially when you're 15 it's it's a kind of uh, a revelatory experience um so yeah his work was not, not that I was ever you know into the whole sort of uh I don't know, Freudian aspect of it, but, you know, it's so compelling that you can't help be drawn in by that side of it, I guess. But I guess for me, I've 
my 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 tendency has always been more towards architecture and hardware rather than organic, um, you know, um, subject matter. So, um, it, it, I guess it's not long before once you've seen aliens that you start to take an interest um, in the production designers and, and the, the artists, the, the, the concept artists behind it. Um, so yeah, Sid Mead and, and Ron Cobb's work, just incredibly inspiring and, and you know, it kind of suddenly it blows open the possibility of, oh, you know, I could be an artist, you don't have to draw, um, I don't know, <laughs> sort of uh, perhaps more traditional subject matters, you know, you, you, there's this whole world of um, fictional possibility that can be um, sketched and drawn and rendered and you know beautifully lit. So yeah, their their work was was hugely inspiring and influential on me. Um, as was Jim Cameron's work, actually. I mean, his that's one of the reasons I'm so in awe of him. He's just this multi-talented filmmaker, but as well as being a filmmaker, he's his paintings are just his, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, skill, um, you know that, that's the, the the artwork he did of the um, the T eight hundred rising out of the flames. You know when he, um, you know, showed um, he, when he articulated the, the dream he'd had about, which was the genesis of the film. You know his artwork of that is just stunning, and and so many of the sketches, well, sketches doesn't do them justice, but so many of the the, the yeah the, the concept art artworks he put together for aliens are just as impressive um so yeah I, I, all, I, go ahead i'm sorry no go on after you no i was just gonna say and really uh cameron really falls in step with ridley and his ridley grams where you have these directors who knew about world building and uh, they knew kind of what was involved that they just couldn't design something oh that looks cool it had to be functional it had to work so it was like they were almost like it makes me think of like Frank Lloyd Wright or someone where they were designing these fantastical structures, spaceships or whatever, or and aliens or augmenting alien designs to really function in the space. So they're they're really they're one of a kind. They are. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think that's that takes that sort of elevates a production if you know the director can hand something so advanced to a production designer or a concept artist like um, Ron Cobb or Sid Mead, you know, suddenly they've, they, you know, there's a whole load of hurdles that have already been jumped over and, and, uh, and they can run with it, you know. Um, so I think that's why his films have such a certain look is because he's, he's got his stamp on it in, in such an early stage with, with, you know, with the concept art. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in more broadly, I mean, the people I mentioned um, were big influence. I, I think production designers in general. I think you know that's um, there's an artistry there, especially with films, analog films from the 1980s. The the, the, the kind of artistry going on behind the scenes. You know, the whole ILM movement that, that um, or studio that you know Lucas set up with with Empire Strikes Back, um, all the people that worked on that, you know, Phil Tippett, Joe Johnston, um, you know, these, these incredibly talented artists who, who are perhaps not working in, in the, in a way that you typically think of as when you think of what's, what, what makes an inspiring artist. But, you know, nevertheless, these are people who are on the cutting edge of, of, um, of visual effects at the time. And, yeah, just that attention to detail as well. It's just so, um, so breathtaking to me. I, I just always was fascinated by how these filmmakers yeah. put together these extraordinary, um, you know, visual achievements um, in, in an age when you know, in a pre-digital age where it was so hard to do the things they were doing, and they had to use such inventiveness. It's you know, it's it's amazing to live in the digital world, and and the fact that now it's opened up the playing field to anyone with a with a laptop and and the right software and, and the the right know how and ability can can do amazing things now. And it doesn't 
Uh, it's not the preserve of you know um, studios with lots of money. You have you can, you can go out there and do it yourself um, at the moment. But, um, but yeah, prior to that, these guys in a pre-digital age, I just found it extraordinary the way they were using optical effects and miniatures and compositing techniques and matte painting. Um, so I guess they're they're the sort of artists that I really grew up admiring and just you know I had the books of how all these films were made and just poring over them and sort of obsessing about the, about the detail of how just one little shot was done um, so yeah that, that, I guess that sort of cinematic art, artistry I guess you would call it that was sort of one of the biggest influences on on me growing up yeah I mean we, again Peter and I have discussed Sid Mead and his uh contribution to alien and certainly blade runner um there was something happening and happening in film at that point in time in the early 80s late 70s um kind of started with 2001 to some degree um where but it it just kind of took off and it was just a really really special time absolutely uh, computer effects were, were this world building it had to be done you know and that's exactly what was happening. I mean, George Lucas, you know, uh, Ridley Scott on Aliens, James Cameron on Aliens. I mean, all those miniatures he used uh, for the APC, for for the dropship, for everything. Uh, you, you don't see anything like it today. Um, you see really good things today, for sure. Um, but there's just, there's something a little bit uh, in, the, in the 80s um, that really had to rely on uh, ingenuity uh, um, and... Uh, just mastercraft not that films today don't rely on that because i I believe that they do um but it was just a different it was in a it's great like i'm looking at your uh i'm looking at one of your images right now of uh of the uh the apc i think okay isn't isn't that what it's called the moving the moving and uh just looking in the interior and uh i i haven't seen anything like it probably except for prometheus which kind of comes close in terms of uh, the the detail and the level of detail, and it's just it's awesome. I mean, you you brought to life s- such an incredible uh, piece of machinery. It's great. Oh, thank you. That's that's really kind of you to say. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like I say, it was it was very much a collaborative process, and, and Graham and myself um, worked very collaborative collaboratively on it. Um, you know, I've got Graham to thank for so much of that piece of work. Um, you know, he he came up with the, the idea of um, the in-wheel drive technology, um, a.k.a. We, we dubbed it the transaxle. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that arose from the fact that, you know, when I was plotting the, when I was working at the tracing paper stage and working out what goes where and where do the cutaways go and, you know, fitting everything in, and I've, you know, accounted for all the the kind of the key elements that you see within the film, and you suddenly think, well, where the, where's the damn engine going? There's no room left because you know it's it's you know as it's, it's well known that that, that vehicle's got a kind of TARDIS-like quality to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Graham came up with the idea of using this technology, which is being developed at the moment, and we used actual. Um, uh, you know, concept art that they, the, the company doing this have, have put online. So that that's pretty much directly what you see in the in the in the artwork. Um, and uh, you know, we came up with the idea of putting the little um, uh, missile launchers um, in those in the little pods on the top of the vehicle. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's such a pleasure to work that way because you know, freelance artists generally. Um, spend a lot of the time working on their own. So any occasion where you get the opportunity to work with somebody else, you kind of leap on it, you know. And um, it, you know, it's very much the case with Graham, who's who's got an even more obsessive eye for detail than me. Um, so yeah, I kind of found my uh, sort of soulmate in that respect, you know. Um, so yeah, awesome. Uh, do you, um, what do you have a, I was just a random question, but it's, do you have a favorite scene in Aliens? Ooh, um, I guess the, the, the whole, 
the whole um, launch sequence, the sort of, you know, the dropship launch sequence. Okay. Um, that's that's you know, that's really, I don't know. That's the like the epitome of sort of, um, you know, what what sort of. Uh, I don't know space sci-fi cinema should be. You know, it's it's just super exciting, and there's loads of hardware porn, and you know, it's just. Uh, um, and then you then you get into the the, the whole um, you know when they're flying around the com- the complex, and uh, you know Horner's cue kicks in, which sort of gives more of a, a sense of threat and uh, something sinister going on. And yeah, it's it's and obviously. The acting throughout is just, you know, world class. So yeah, it's, uh, I guess that that would be mine. What's yours? Oh, and aliens. Oh, oh gosh. Um, no, I'm on the spot. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I really like the Ripley's when they're interrogating Ripley, and she's kind of explaining to them what's happening. And she, re- you can see it in her face when she realizes they need a fall guy, and she is it. And they are making, yeah. and they are making her seem crazy. And so her world's kind of, uh, the paradigm is shifting, and she realizes, okay, they're going to make me seem crazy, and this is it for me. And I really thought that was a really, really important, well written, incredibly acted, um, uh, scene in the film, and uh, it's one. That's one of the reasons why I love uh, the Alien series is because you kind of get involved into... That's kind of what's happening, the bigger picture, the fact that there's a company behind this and they're not out to help you. They're, they're out to help themselves. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, what about um, you, Peter? What is my favorite scene? Um, yeah. Or one of- I think when the shit hits the fan and Hicks comes down from the ceiling... I think that scene right there when uh, Burke just goes AWOL, that's probably my favorite. That or the fight scene between uh, Ripley and the Queen. Yeah, okay. all good scenes. You can't fault them, really. I mean, you pick any any moment from that film and it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a flawless film. And uh, Well, here's another question then. Um, what is another science fiction film that really uh, inspires you? And if you were ever to engage in a way that you've engaged with Aliens, or the Alien series in terms of the book, what film would you like? Oh, yes. Um, well, I, I mentioned it before, but the, the Terminator franchise is one that I've... It, it was one that I discovered around the same time as, as I discovered Alien and Aliens. Um and it's it's not as tech heavy, although increasingly, you know, with the, with the sequels, there have been more bits of kit, you know, um, that have been designed and uh, uh, put on screen. So, yeah, I mean that that one would be uh, that one would be a, a definite one to do on the bucket list. Um, apart from that, I, uh, let's I mean, gosh, don't name your favourite science fiction films. Um, uh, I mean, Predator's a good one, but there's there's not so much tech in that to explore apart from their ship. Um, yeah. I do I do love that franchise, um, and then I guess I don't know. Going back, yeah, two thousand and one, that that was a film again. I sort of discovered around the same time. Um, I think any film that you, or whether it's film or music or whatever it is that you get into in that time of your life when you're in your sort of mid to late teens, where suddenly life is just unfolding in front of you and you're just sensing that 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 um that that notion of endless possibility you know um i mean i don't know that that was my experience i was lucky enough to to be feeling that that way at that time um so all the music i was listening to at the time and all the the films i was watching at that time you know they, they they just have a resonance um that just sort of kind of stays deeply embedded in my DNA, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's there for the long yeah. haul and, and yeah. I, I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, uh, it's, I guess if there's one word to describe that, it, it's, it sort of becomes passion, doesn't it? It's, um, it's something, and it's, it's kind of like a, a sort of 
time travel, you know, um, time machine as well. You know, whenever you see these films or listen to these pieces of music, you're, you're transported back to that feeling of endless possibility. And yeah, if, if uh, you know, perhaps later on in life when, um, you know, it, 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 you've got, you're in a different place, it's good to be reminded of that feeling and think, yes, there is still that. Um, endless possibility in front of me and uh, yeah it's it's good to always have that reminder so it, it, I think yeah for me though, those are the films that uh, the science fiction films that I go back to I do I mean before that as well there are I guess my first introduction to science fiction was um, uh, as a you know I don't know seven eight year olds um, used to this is quite weird well a lot of people find it weird but hey what you what you grow up with at the time is your normality but we didn't have a tv and um we the the only way i could watch tv was either at friends houses or at my grand's house or um we we had a, a flat so my parents had a, a bookshop and my my other grandmother lived above it and then after she died my parents kept on this flat and the including the TV. So we would literally go out to watch TV. So we'd pack a, pack a little, uh, you know, on a Sunday evening, we'd, my parents would pack a little uh, sort of picnic and we'd uh, go down to the shop, uh, go upstairs, and, uh, you know, we'd watch some um, uh, so some programs I was less, less interested in than others. But one, one of the really cool things that, that my dad did was um, we'd have a dedicated um, night where we'd go, down to the shop to watch um, like a science fiction season that uh, the BBC were running at the time, and they were doing these, showing these classic, you know, fifties B movies, sci-fi B movies, stuff like um, Day of the Earth Stood Still and Forbidden Planet and This Island Earth. I think was one of them, and yeah, they, those films suddenly just again uh, opened my mind up to this whole realm of of um, of, of fiction, fantasy, you know, um, and it was just hugely exciting. And I guess that was, you know, that that was set me up for Star Wars, and then Star Wars set me up for Alien, and that then leads on to all these other films I've been talking about. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a few other ones I've missed off, though. I, d- I don't know. In terms of more recent films, um, maybe um, Moon. Did you see that film? Oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah, Moon is incredible. And uh, he, uh, Duncan Jones, who directed it, used a lot of those kind of old school '80s techniques to create the film. Exactly, which made it even which, more special for me. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably why I've got such a soft spot for it, because um, exactly, you're suddenly reminded of how cool miniatures are, and oh, that's what we've been missing with digital effects. Um, so yeah, um, but what, what what films would uh, would would you go to? Why don't you answer, Peter, and then I'll answer. Oh, <clears throat> uh, as far as modern films or uh, just in general? I don't know, either. Um, as far as modern films, science fiction go, um, I just recently saw Super 8, and I thought that was pretty good. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I remember you posting about that, yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, Ex Machina was wonderful, very haunting. Um, uh, I've yet to see that one, I'm really curious. The Signal was very good. And, um, oh God, there's, there's so much, but as far as the classics go, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, Alien, Blade Runner, Star Wars, Terminator, uh, The Thing, um, all sorts, really. Um, but as far as the big three, like I always, I always find myself going back to, uh, Alien, Blade Runner, and The Terminator. Yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, little triumvirate you got there. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, you, Jamie? I, I tend to like uh, a little more philosophical uh, science fiction. Science fiction that kind of asks some larger questions. I mean, certainly, I do love aliens. Of course, obviously, I run, you know, I'm a part of an alien podcast, so those films. Uh, alien 3 is a favorite of mine. Um, there's a film called Predestination, it's by the Spirit Brothers, and uh, I won't tell you too much about it. Uh, it was released last year. It's on DVD now. It will blow your mind. For me, Predestination is up there with Blade Runner, one of the best science fiction films I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, I, le- I After it was over, 
eyes were kind of scratching my head. Like, what did I just watch? So then I had to rewatch it because I could not wrap my mind around it. Um, so yeah, pretty good time. Um, uh, I'm going to have to check uh, that out. I, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, uh, Forbidden Planet, I remember watching that when I was a kid on a Sunday afternoon, you know, back in the 80s. Of course, that movie yeah. was made in the 50s. Um, but still, uh, it just really opened my mind up to wonder. Um, I remember the old school um, War of the um from the 50s, which was great, great, you know, um, a great old movie. Or... Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with, um, what's his the name? Original? With the original? The original from the 70s. From the 70s. Not, not the black and white, but the remake from the 70s with uh, Donald Sutherland. Yes. Um, yeah. And Veronica yeah. Cartwright was in that too. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like uh, science fiction that kind of asks, has us question our humanity. Not so much our humanity, but like ask larger questions about our humanity. Um, which I think Prometheus actually did pretty well. Uh, there are some major issues with that film, but it had some large questions in there that it asks very successfully. Um, 2001, 2010, great movies, great. I mean, 2001 is just sublime. It's absolutely sublime. Um, and it's kind of a mind fuck a little bit. You don't really know. At the end, you're like, whoa, okay. You know. Yeah, I'm still not entirely sure what's happening at the end. <laughs> I don't think yeah. uh, even Stephen Kubrick knew, but whatever. <laughs> Stanley. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. I feel dumb. <laughs> I th- that, that's a that's subconscious so cool. link to AI, isn't it? Which uh, Steven Spielberg made that's, that Kubrick oh, yeah, developed. AI, developed. Very, that's what you're doing another, there. Another great film, AI. Very underrated. I, I think AI is a masterpiece, to be honest with you. It got some shit. Um, but I think it's a wholly under- misunderstood film. Yeah, I think even the critics who at the time kind of panned it have come, like, uh, do you listen to Mark Kermode? I do not. You do not? Okay, well, that's that's a great podcast. Uh, it's a BBC film program. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's got quite a cult following, actually. But, um, it's a great listen. And... Uh, yeah, he, he, he that's his um, observation about that film is he, he just did not get it at the time and um, he watched it years later and completely changed his opinion about it and like you, kind of reveres it as a modern classic. What's that movie? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. He... Steven Spielberg made a film that he would not make today. And he said that himself. Um, and that really affected me. Even E.T. E.T. was a little bit sentimental, but it was also a little bit biting. You had a single mother and kids and meeting this kind of creature and the government steps in and it's kind of a, a penultimate 80s film in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, I didn't really see E.T. when I was younger. I got to see it when I was a little bit older, but still it, it, uh, it, it stayed with me for sure. Yeah, likewise. No, I was the same. Um, and actually, it's a film that I'm kind of gearing up to watch again um, with um, my eldest son. Who's, uh, he'll be six in February, so I don't know. He might be ready for it by then, but um, but yeah, I, I, I know I'm going to be in tears the minute I hear John Williams' score. Um, <laughs> yeah, something, uh, like, watching, just... uh, like watching Jurassic World, just the ending. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, I did too. I, I really enjoyed that film. I just had a big smile on my face from beginning to end. Me too. Me too. I, I think. I think um, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, probably another less well-known science fiction film for me is Outland. It's um, Sean Connery, and it's like High Noon but in space, and it's just awesome. Yeah. No, I still haven't seen that one. Uh, yeah, it's on my. To, to watch list. So you'd recommend that one? Yep, it's by the guy who did uh, 2010 Odyssey 2, and it's got a score by Jerry Goldsmith, and it stars oh. Peter Boyle and Sean Connery. Okay. I've got to watch they, that too. We mean Peter, Peter's been telling me to watch that. I just need to do it. It's hard when the things aren't on, aren't on Netflix. I'm like, oh boy, one day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up. What do you think, Pete? Yeah. Um, if you wanted to just bring up what you were going to bring up before I cut you off. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I can't even remember what that was. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I- I'm good. I- again, John, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Your, uh, your work is incredible. It's so incredible. And uh, one day I will buy that book. Well, I'm sure they'll release the uh, the, uh, the the non-special edition version at some point. So um, it will be yours. It will be yours. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much for having me on. It could, would I be able to do a quick plug? Sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, so the, the APC film that uh, we were talking about earlier, um, that's currently out there. That's a, a four-minute film. You can see that on my um, website, which is uh, thetopdraw.com. That's draw what uh, you do with a pencil, not what you keep your socks in. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's a shortened version. And then there's a longer cut, which is coming out on the 14th of September, um, which kind of goes into a bit more detail and shows how I do all the digital stuff. And then there's a gallery of all the artworks that feature in the Wayland Utani report at the end. Um, and it's got all the music that uh, that we recorded for it, uh, which uh, I'm really proud of. So, yeah, if you if have a look at it, check it out. If you enjoy it, please share it. Um, and, yeah, thanks so much, guys. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, <clears throat> we're trying to get some more well-known people on here. And obviously in the Star Wars and Terminator community, uh, and now more so the Alien community, you're a pretty well-known artist, so it's it's really an honor to have you on here. Well, the pleasure's all mine, so thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, keep up. Thank you. you. Know, it's, it's a great show. I listen to every new show that you do, and uh, when I'm working away, um, I'm, I'm always listening. So, uh, yeah, look forward to many more episodes. Keep it up. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, many thanks, guys. All righty. I think that's about a wrap. Take it easy, guys.